it's going to be so much. You forgot the much. <laughs> At VBS, you really just learn who Jesus is, how much He loves you, and everything that He's done for you and that He still does for you. I think everyone is just going to be so excited and just like overjoyed. It just gives the kids a place to hear about Jesus and get to know Him a little bit better, but also have a lot of fun talking about Jesus and like going through Bible stories. And, and there was just all this stuff hang up and all these people, and it was just like blew my mind. And I was like, this is about to be the best week of my life. It's going to, to be so so, so much join us for vbs sign up we only have spots for 250 children i know that it's going to fill up really fast so you need to begin signing up today you can do that through the app or through guest services also if you want to be a volunteer and be involved in what we're doing we're going to reach kids. Now, we understand that there are parents that are going to drop off their kids because they're going to get free childcare for a week, but that's all right. You just let us have your child, and we're going to share the gospel of Jesus with them and let them just be loved on for an incredible week. And we invite you and your kids to be a part of it for this summer. So, some of you probably have been around for a while, and you know Pastor Paul goes on a trip. Pastor Paul's going to turn that into a sermon. Uh, Pastor Paul trips and falls and hurts his knee. He's going to turn it into a sermon. And the reason why that is, is one, um, I'm kind of a pastor having a real life and a real life experiences. And I want you to know that I'm learning this as I go. And, and so as I'm in the moment, I want to share that moment that what God's doing in my life. Also, I'm not downloading this off the web. This is not stuff I'm, I'm somebody else's experience. This is what I'm experiencing. And and also, maybe it can kind of model that any encounter you have in life can be turned into something that speaks God to you, whether it's good or it's bad. So me and my wife went to Zion with uh, the grandkids and uh, one of my daughters and her husband. And uh, Zion, it's a really cool park if you've ever been there. Anybody been to Zion National Park? Okay, it's, it's cool. It's, it's different. It, it really is different. And so when I got there... I wanted to find out more about it. I had watched all the YouTube videos about traveling to it and all, but this park was really interesting. Uh, what I learned is that it was established in 1919 is when it became a national park. But I was really interested in how it got its name because when you go into the park, you begin to hear names like mountain ranges and peaks are named things like Great White Throne Judgment, uh, our great white throne, uh, Angel's Landing, the Watchman. Um, there is the courts of the patriarchs. So there's a little mountain named Abraham, then there's Isaac, and then there's Jacob. So you begin to pick up on this biblical theme about this park. And it turns out that a, a long time ago, back in the early 1900s, a, a Methodist pastor went through and began to name all of it as it was becoming a park. So while I was in there, in the first day that I was there, I was really interested on why Zion? Why, why call it Zion? It's, it's not a word that a lot of us use. It doesn't sound very, um, uh, doesn't sound very American in the sense that it sounds like that has a root in some sort of biblical story. And so I wanted to find out what it meant because a lot of people were saying, oh, Zion means peace and Zion means beauty and, and Zion means happiness and, and, uh, and had T-shirts with the meaning of Zion on it. So I, 
so while I'm in the park, I'm like, I got to figure out what does this mean? And so biblically, Zion is a mountain in, in Israel, particularly in Jerusalem. Uh, but also Zion is used to describe the city of David. So it's kind of a rock formation, but then it becomes kind of a, the name of a city. Uh, and then it begins to expand, and Zion becomes like the name that God calls the people of God. He calls them Zion. And so you can see it has an expanding idea to it. Um, and even in the New Testament, it is referred to as the city of God in the book of Hebrews. And it is implying that it is the gathering of the children of God. So it's like deeply biblically rooted. It seems to have a couple different applications. But so I started to search for what was the, the root meaning of this word, Zion. What, what does it mean? So I had to go back to some rabbinical sources to find out one meaning of it, because people were saying it means peace, it means city, it means the people of God, and it, it does end up meaning those things, but what does the word mean? And so I searched out the word and, and looked at the sources, and the word means this, and it's not very sexy, it, um, because Zion's a really cool-looking word. I mean, just look at it. You just want a tattoo, you know? It's like, man, I would get a tattoo that says Zion on it. You know, and, and so you kind of look at it, it's like, well, what is, what is it about? And it means this. It means indicated. It means um, specified. It means marked. It means marked. And I thought that was really interesting uh, because a lot of things can be marked. Um, you probably have a car in the, in the, uh, out there in the parking lot that's got a mark on it. Um, somehow it's got a mark on it. And, and I'm going to tell on my wife here, but there's a story. I, um, you get marks on your cars a lot of different ways. And some of them are other people marking your cars sometimes. But we had this minivan. It was, a, it was a, I forget what year it was, but it was a Nissan Quest. And um, it was a really nice minivan. And my wife had this um, experience with a yellow post in a... A parking garage in Charleston. And you know when you're driving your car and you're like in a parking garage and you turn and you, you make the switch back there and it goes, and they usually put on each side of that switch back, they put these big metal yellow posts so you don't hit those posts. Well, Susan clipped the side of the van with the post, okay? And it was leaving, it was going to leave a mark. But in order to remedy it, do I go forward? Do I go backwards? What do I do? How do I not make it worse? She continued the turn with the post. And, 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 and so it was kind of like one of these deals. And so basically, it'd be the van's going, hopping, as it's turning. And so this mark goes all the way down the, the side of the van. And, I, and when she got home, she goes, I want to let you know I hit a pole. I'm like, okay, impact point. But the whole side of the van, how long did you hit the pole? So you can be marked by a lot of different things. And Zion means marked. But what is implied is in biblical context that this was a people or a place that have been marked 
by Yahweh. And then, so what marks you is a very important thing because it implied that they were marked by God, marked for God, and marked as God's people. So Zion becomes an incredibly special word because it means to be marked by God, to become marked for his affections, for his love, for his promises. And so I'm sitting in the park and I'm, I'm thinking about this. It, it, it was easily for me to just all of a sudden like, wow. Uh, I am, I, as I'm, I mean, I think I was sitting in our little cabin when I was doing this research and it's like, wow. So I, I decided I would walk through this park with this mentality of I am in a place that has been marked by God and I am lodging in the marking of God. So for me, what that meant was because in Zion, it is a canyon, so you got rock face, rock face, and everything happens in between it, is that it kind of, I started visualizing as like, okay, this is kind of like God's here, God's here, and I'm someplace in the middle. And I just kind of rotated that more like this, is that Zion was, and is like, when you got something like a little frog or something in your hand and you, you cup it and put it, it's kind of like, and it's contained in there, that's kind of like Zion. It's kind of like marked. It's kind of like, this is designated. You are in my hands. And, and I began to realize that I was in a place and I, and I started thinking about, it's like, this is like my relationship with God. I am marked. And then just happened to have the rock faces named after biblical things really just added to the allegory of the relationship with God. So, so I began to, God, what do you want me to learn while I'm here, while I'm enjoying this moment? And one of the profound, most profound things that God spoke to me out of Zion uh, and while being in Zion was that not everybody in Zion was having the exact same experience. Uh, some people were containing themselves to the lodge. There's a lodge in the middle of it, the Rock Face Canyon. And some people were hanging out the lodge and eating at the cafeteria. Other people would venture out a little bit further and they would ride the buses. You know, the little trams that would go back and forth from the different locations that you go. Some people were visiting from outside and they would park their, their, uh, their vehicles in I think it's called Springdale, which is right outside the, the park. And you find a parking space and then you walk into the park and then you get on one of those trams and then it begins to take you around the park. Some people were staying overnight camping and that was an experience some people were having. Others were hiking the river trails and were seeing wildlife come up to the rivers. Other people were hiking a little bit higher and they were going to the scenes where you could see the sunsets and the sunrises. Uh, even others were daring heights that we'll talk about um, in, in a little bit in the future. They were daring these incredible, spectacular heights that gave them incredible views. There were also some that were willing to walk through this river called the Narrows, where the river actually passes through two uh, rock faces and for about 16 miles, and you can walk through it, absolutely beautiful, in what's called the Virgin River. And then others were going to these recluse uh, a little caverns that you could repel into. So when somebody asks you, um, have you ever been to Zion? Their experience really determines their answer. 
And not everybody in Zion was having the same experience. For instance, um, if you were uh, hiking the Angel Trail, you got these views. This is the Angel Trail, uh, Angel Landing. Um, this is considered the most dangerous national park trail you can hike in the country. Um, it is outlandish, it is crazy, it is spectacular, it is beautiful, it is absolutely wonderful. But you only get these photos if you take this trail, okay? Uh, you could also hike what's called Canyon Overlook Trail, and then you got these views. This is where you would go if you wanted to have a beautiful sunset, particularly. But you had to hike this trail to get this view. And if you walked into that view, you were able to click on the old camera, which uh, I love. I'm an amateur photographer, and you end up with a beautiful picture like that. If you decided to hike the Narrows trails, well, then you got this incredible view. The water flowing below you and then the rock faces going up. Uh, you've probably seen pictures before of the slot canyons. And this is kind of like the photos, that type of photos they use to get you to go to the national parks. But this is an incredible view that you get only if you uh, rappel into this location. You, ha you have to rappel to get this photo. Then you could climb to Observation Point and you get this grand picture. Absolutely spectacular view. And then you, you capture this photo. This is your photo. You get to hang it up on the wall. This is just an amazing thing. Uh, you could also have hiked the Grotto Trail, which uh, leads you up to what's called the uh, Emerald Pools, and it too has its own unique beauty to it. Absolutely spectacular, breathtaking. Um, but I need to tell you something, that none of those photos were mine. Absolutely none of those photos were mine. There was nothing wrong with my camera. Again, like I told you, I was, I'm an amateur landscape photographer. I particularly focus on landscapes because they tend not to move. And so I'm able to kind of like lock into it a little bit better. But there was nothing wrong with my camera. I have a Sony Ace uh, Alpha 7 III. If you're into photography, you know that's a really good camera. Um, and there was absolutely nothing wrong with it. For this trip, I rented a $3,000 lens. You don't have to buy lenses anymore. But, it, it, cause, you know, but this one lens is like a, it's called the G Master for, from Sony. Absolutely incredible glass quality on the lens. Beautiful. It was a uh, telephoto lens. And just so I couldn't afford the $3,000. So I rented it from a place. They fly it in for $150 for a week. You get to use the lens. I, I have this monster, beautiful lens, this incredible camera. But you know what? I didn't, I didn't, my camera didn't do anything wrong. I just didn't get my camera to the right place. That was the only problem. Um, there was nothing wrong with my technique. I could begin to show you photos of Charleston that I've taken and sunsets and sunrises and dolphin and, and waterways and absolutely beautiful. I have really good technique when it comes to photography. Um, the problem was, not my technique, it was that I just didn't get my technique to the right place. The 
problem was that I wasn't willing to take the risk to see the beauty. Most of my views are from the ground looking up. But the, those who were willing to walk the trails, they got the view from up looking down. And that's weird. I didn't, I didn't know I had a fear of heights. I mean, I had some moments. I don't mind being in an airplane. I've been with uh, uh, Brant Sword in his uh, Cessna 150 and flying at 10,000 feet over Charleston. And it really didn't bother me too much, not until we got in the vapor trail of a 737 and it took us for a little bit of a ride. But other than that, I do pretty good with that. I have no problems mountain biking. I love mountain bike. I'll mountain bike anywhere. I've mountain biked up Mount Cheyenne in Colorado and then raced down again. Absolutely no problem at all. But when I got out there to Zion and I started walking on the edges and the trails, it, something happened to me. I remember we were going up to Canyon, uh, the Canyon Overlook, and we got up there. And the trails, Zion, 13 people have died since 2014. People die at this park. Do not take a toddler to Mount Zion, okay? I mean, to Zion here. This part, this is not where, unless you have a voice-activated child that operates on voice command, which uh, most of you don't, but if you, if you did, you could command your child to come away from the ledge, then maybe you could go. But otherwise, there's very little railings. I'm like, how are they not getting sued? I mean, this is crazy. So, but, so I got out there, and we're in this one place where there's this rock face, and you kind of have to walk around the curve of the rock face. The trail's only about that wide. And so I get like halfway, and my grandkids are just like bebopping along, and they're going around there, and, and I'm yelling at them, get away from Leonard, get away from Leonard. You know, and so they're going around, and so they get around the corner, and they yell, hey, Papa, there's a big drop-off up here. And I freeze on the rock face. And, and, and I'm just like, I, 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 just, I can't do it. So I, I'm just like stuck there. And uh, there's this lady, the trail's so small that you have to designate, you know, bi-directional traffic. So this lady's like, hey, I'm coming around. And I'm like, no, you're not. Not if you want to die, because I'll shove your butt off. You know, it's like, you know, and I am just like, to the point where all of a sudden, so I had to kind of inch my way back down the trail. There's my family heading up the trail to see this amazing sunset. And I walk my way back down the trail into the van. And I sat in the van for an hour and a half waiting for my family to come back. I handed my amazing camera to my daughter and say, get us a good one, honey. You know, save yourself because I'm heading on back. And so all of this happened. Um, in Zion, but I did not experience all that Zion had to offer. And here's the thing. It wasn't the park ranger's fault. It wasn't the park system's fault. It wasn't the rock's fault. It wasn't anybody's fault other than mine. Zion did not disappoint me. I wasn't willing to walk Zion. I wasn't willing to take the trails of Zion. I wasn't willing to, to go to places that even would scare me or challenge me in Zion. And therefore, all my pictures, all my pictures are me on the ground looking up, looking up, looking up. 
you get my grandchildren's iPhones, and they've got these spectacular views looking down, looking down, looking down. I mean, absolutely incredible pictures that they've got. It wasn't Zion's fault, it was my fault. I think you're gonna to begin to see where this is leading us. It was true in Grand, the Grand Canyon. We went right from the Zion to the Grand Canyon. And uh, you would think a big giant hole in the ground wouldn't scare anybody. I didn't realize I could be more scared at Grand Canyon than I was in Zion. Uh, so some of my family decided all the kids got, uh, some of the, the boys got together and they traveled down the canyon wall like 5,500 feet on trails that zigbagged, that switched back, that were, you know, maybe about this wide, but, you know, serious drop-offs. I mean, they make the Cooper River Bridge look ridiculous in comparison. Uh, and they went down the river, uh, down the canyon to see the river, which is really cool. We'd love to have a picture of that, wouldn't I? I would love to have a picture of that. Then some of my family traveled along the rim, and that's on the outer edge, and it's, they call it the Rim Trail, and, and, and they were, the, uh, were enjoying the incredible beauty in the vistas at the Grand Canyon. But I was having a totally different experience, and I happened to catch it on video. Here we are, we're enjoying an incredible walk through the woods, along the rim, along the trail. Yeah. It's beautiful. Here comes mom. We are walking on the edge of the Grand Canyon, where only the courageous dare to go. This here is the road that leads to where the courageous go. <laughs> uh oh, there they go. Okay. I don't like to hear that. There they are, they're on the edge. I love them, I'll miss them. See, do you see, um, was I in Zion? Yes, I was in Zion. Was I at the Grand Canyon? Yes, I was at the Grand Canyon too. But not everybody was having the exact same experience. Not everybody, particularly me, was experiencing the amazing beauty that could be encountered. And God would just teach me, he's like, this is exactly, nothing could be more true than about faith on this particular issue. Um, you have to be willing to walk the trails. You have to be willing to allow God to take you to places that are uncomfortable, that will challenge your current view of life in order to see something magnificent, to have something beautiful. See, in the Bible Belt, we talk about getting saved. And getting saved, oh, that's really cool. You know, um, that, that is really cool. And we, it's kind of like going into Zion. You're in Zion. You're part of the, you're part of the team. You're, you're in. You, you're in the park, you know? And, and, and that's cool, and we tend to preach it that way, that... All you got to do is just walk down the aisle, accept Jesus as your personal Savior, and boom, we're good. And, and that's it. And, and I have to be honest with you, that is absolutely true. Is, well, not the aisle part, but accept Christ in your Lord, that he died for your sins and rose on the third day, and, and confess him as Lord. That is, you are in the park. 
But is that what God saved us for? Is that what he saved us to? Is that all we have been marked for? Because we were saved to live. We were saved and we were marked to experience God. And I don't think everybody here today is, we're all in the park probably, but I don't think every one of us is walking a trail. Or maybe we're not on the right trail. We're not all having the same experience. Because you'll hear some, some Christians in here that, you know, I, and I, I have to admit, I, I'm probably the most sarcastic, skeptical pastor you'll ever listen to. Because I hear those Christians like, ah, oh, just love my Savior. He's just so warm to my heart, you know, and just, and I'll be like, you know, I just want to know the science of God, the facts of God, and, you know, that's pretty much how I tend to, and then I'll listen to these people who are having this, it's like, you're looking at something different than me. It's like, you're in the same park that, because they're talking about this, this beautiful savior. They're talking about his wonderful love. They'll talk about the peace that they walk with. They'll talk about the sense of purpose that they have with their lives. And I begin to wonder, am I in the same park? You know what I mean? Am I, I'm not having the same experience. And what do we normally do when we don't have the same experience? We villainize the park. I don't know what's so hot about Zion. I didn't have a good time at Zion. It's not as good as they're saying. It's like, no, there's nothing wrong with the park. There's nothing wrong with God. There's nothing wrong with Christianity. It's whether or not we're willing to walk the trails that will challenge us, that will take us to the edge of ourselves, that may challenge the way that we view the world in order to us no longer to be looking down, looking up, so that we then can get the perspective of God looking into from a position of strength into our marriages, into our families, into our lives with beauty, with understanding, and with wisdom to get the God perspective. Um, but we've got to be willing to walk the trails. We've got to be willing to, to strike out and to do it. And, and some of us aren't willing to do that. There are opportunities for fulfillment if you're willing to put the work in with God. And again, we've been sold a cheap grace, and Stacy talked about that. We've been sold this cheap grace that once you kind of like you're in, you get it all, and boom, there it is. And most of us kind of will savor it for about three years, and it's like, this really isn't that big of a deal. But what we really find out is that we are invited into a relationship with God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, through his salvation. But then we are called to walk it out. And I love what the writer of Hebrews says, because it kind of reminded me of my park experience. Hebrews 12, verse 11 says this, all discipline or all challenge or all hard work for the moment uh, seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. And I was at exactly right where I was like, oh, uh, you know, because I actually had to say, I said, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And one of my grandkids st said, stop using the Lord's name in vain. And I'm like, I am not using it in vain. I am really talking to God. <laughs> okay, so this is, just happens to be me, you know. Um, and so, but no, no training, no discipline for a time uh, feels all that good, but there, there's, it can be sorrowful, it can be hard, it can be difficult. But yet those who have been trained by it 
Afterwards, it reaps the peaceable fruit of righteousness. These are the people that get the good pictures. You know, all of a sudden, their marriage is beginning to look like something that God intended it was supposed to look like. They don't look at it any longer from the ground up. They're beginning to look at it from up looking down. They begin to see it from God's perspective. They begin to see what parenting can be like, raising children can be like, what work is supposed to be like when you begin to get the perspective of God on it. But you have to be willing to be trained by it. You gotta be willing to, um, uh, to walk the trail. And we've been marked by God as believers. We have been marked by God to experience his beauty, and his life. We've been marked for that. I, I just made up a word with this. We've been Zioned uh, to walk the trails of God. We've been Zioned. I mean, it's like you've been marked to have a great marriage. You've been marked to raise your children in the ways of the Lord. You've been marked to be transformed in the renewing of your minds. You've been marked to overcome an addiction. You've been marked to be a leader. Uh, you've been marked to forgive and to be forgiven. We have been marked by God for us to live. We've been Zioned to walk the trails of God. Listen to what Isaiah said about it, and it's, and it's all there. The, 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 the difficulty, the beauty. In, in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 19, he says this. O people in Zion... Inhabitant in Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry, O God, O God, when he hears it. He will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, meaning that life is difficult, sometimes the trail is hard, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself from you. The beautiful view. But your ears will behold your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left. See, God wants us as the people of Zion in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of oppression, in the midst of lack, the midst of hardship. He wants us to, to know him, to experience him, so that we know the trail to go, do I go to the left or go to the right? And, and that's a big deal when you're walking in Zion. I mean, we are called in God to walk marked trails. Uh, marriages marked by God. Parenting and grandparenting marked by God. I mean, I, grandparenting just pops into my head because I am, I am one, because I really wasn't expecting grandparenting. You know, you, I know how it works biologically. Um, but I, I wasn't expecting, I always saw a lot of people like, when your grandparents, yeah, they're just kids, and you know, they visit your house once a year for Christmas, and you're really not into it that much, but you're kind of into it, but you can kind of get rid of them again. And then, but now I kind of feel like from a Zion view, it's like I'm supposed to be pouring into their lives. I'm supposed to be training them. I'm supposed to be coming alongside of their parents. You know, I mean, it's like 
I, I, am, I have a role and a function. And, and too often, grandparents are just like, yeah, we're traveling here. We may swing by and see the kids. It's like, okay, you know, if you want to do that from ground view. But I just want to tell you, if you're my age and your grandparents, if you can't be willing to walk this trail of what God wants you to do in your life, you may see your grandkids in a whole new light. And you might also discover the beauty of being a grandparent. You know, I mean, it can be absolutely powerful. But God wants us to have the view, but we've got to walk the marked trail. Not marriage just the way people from the ground up do marriage, but how we do marriage getting the view from up top looking down. So in Zion, you don't just go out for a hike. It's not like you park the minivan, swing the doors open, and then run into the woods. You can't, you're dead in Zion if you do that. You're going to tumble down something, and you're not going to start tumbling for about 15 minutes. You don't go into a park like that and hike. You have to find the trailhead. You have to find out, okay, where am I going? How do I go? And discover the trail. And that's what God's calling us to. So um, I began to think about, well, what is the trailhead in Zion? Because all trailheads have like a marker for them, and if you go into any state or national park, you'll see a trailhead marker, and it will tell you some things about the elevation of the trail, how much of a rise you'll experience. It'll tell you about the difficulty of it, you know, Um, and so it will kind of lay out. So I was wondering, uh, what does the trailhead look like, the sign for God's Zion look like? And I believe it's this, God is love. That tells you something about the trail. God is love. I mean, there's so much stuff that we could start with in Christianity. Well, it's, it's, you know, we could say ridiculous things like, well, it's all about not drinking, or it's all about giving up smoking. It's all about not eating too much fried chicken. It's a, it, we could come up with all kinds of things. With, but no, what is the trail marked by? And I believe it's God is love. Let me read to you a description of the trail that I got out of God's hiking manual. It comes to us out of 1 John chapter 4. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. It's like, that's a pretty good marker right there. And, and I just want to let you know, before we go any further, whatever idea you have about religion, about God, about the unseen realm, what you may have about some higher power, right now, God has given us some real clarity about what the right trail is. So this isn't some polytheistic or Pollyanna idea. This is God's giving us a real description on this trailhead marker about what is it walking with him. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because he is, so also are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. It's really important when I was out on those trails does this trail work? 
Has anybody ever walked this trail before? Is this trail reliable? Can I be safe on this trail? And we were just told that in the love of God, there is no fear involving punishment, but rather we're safe with God. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is not on a trail with God, or he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has seen. I love this. He's like exposing us. Like, you think you're hiking in Zion. You're not hiking in Zion. You could say, well, yeah, but I got a good big Bible and I've got software on my computer that tells me all the Greek and Hebrew words. And I go to a Beth Moore Bible study and, and I do this. It's like, oh, well, what's your relationship with like your father? I hate my father. Say, like, oh, 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 oh. Okay, so let me be very clear. You're not on a God trail, okay? Just want to let you know, you may, you're still in Zion. We're not kicking you out of the kingdom of God. You're still in the park, but you have gone off the trail a long time ago. This is really good information to know, especially when the heights are so dangerous. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. So I just loved that, and I kind of broke it out this way, and and let me just say, it's like describing this trail. God is. God is love. And it's kind of like an expanding thing. God loves us in Jesus. God, God's love welcomes us to abide. It's like we can, in between the two mountains, it's like, wow, we can experience that. It's like God's love can abide in us, and God calls us to hike in relationship with other people in love. It's like, that's the trailhead right there. God is. I thought that, one, that part was interesting because I was going to go just say, well, the trailhead is just God is love. And, and that is true. Uh, and that's it's kind of a, a compound. But then I had to stop because of our culture and say, no, wait a minute, it doesn't say that. It says God is. So in, in philosophy terms, God is a priori. God is, and now we're being told what God is, God is love. And why is this important? Because we live in a culture that will teach you love is love. Love is love. All you need is love. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. I mean, I'll tell you what, the 70s had, a, had it going. Um, but that's the whole idea, love is love. Doesn't matter don't try to force me into some trail. Don't force me into a context. Don't limit my love. As long as they love me and I love them, that's all it is. It's like, and it's like, no, the trailhead is marked this way. God is love. That all love starts with and is defined in the truth of who God is. God is love. God loves us, but God wants us to abide in love. And God wants, calls us to walk in a hike with other people in love. This is how you hike through marriage. This is how you hike through family, through conflict. I mean, you hike in forgiveness and, and, and um, sorrow at times and seeking forgiveness and loving one another and putting the other interests of the other person first and having the same mind in you which was in Christ Jesus and empty yourself for the sake of another person. These are the trails of Zion. 
You can ride the bus all day long here to Crosstown. And we'll give you a little golf cart ride right into the front of the building. And we'll give you a golf cart ride right back to And yet, for a moment, on a Sunday, for one hour and 10 minutes, you experience a little bit of Zion. But it doesn't mean you're walking the trails of Zion. And there are way too many marriages in this building right now that don't have good pictures. It's like, well, we're married. Isn't that what it's all about? Okay, how about that? Okay, yeah. Well, we're a man and a woman. Didn't we get it right? Well, yeah, you got that part right. Well, we're a man and a woman, and we're committed to each other. Isn't that right? Yeah. But that's not the whole trail. God is love. Walk in love. Because there are a lot of people here that, okay, maybe you got the configuration wrong. That's not God's trail. Sorry. It's not his trail. Um, Maybe you got the configuration right, but you're fighting like cats and dogs, and you're just stinking mean to each other. Well, that ain't the trail either. Yeah, but we're male and female. Well, I'm glad you got that right. But you got the rest of it wrong. That's why a lot of people come to me and say, well, what can you affirm as marriage? And they're thinking I'm going to do a, they want me to press me into a gender issue. And there is a gender. And we're going to talk about this in this series. We're going to talk about what does the marriage trail look like biblically in Zion. I don't care what it looks like in Santee. You know, you want Francis Marion Forest, you want to hike around there all day long, you can. What does it look like, Zion? What does God say that it looks like? Well, there's some things. But you know what? I find that we're so over-focused on the gender issue, which is important, but we're also, but then I find that Christian marriages suck. I mean, just nasty, mean, backbiting, jealous, And that ain't the trail either. But we get off okay because it's the right gender. It's like, you know, that's the hypocritical part about about what we do. That's the part that really is really bad. So we're going to talk about, it's going to be a great series. Uh, It's going to, I mean, it really is. (laughs) What I tell you, if you want a good view, you're going to have to go to the edge. If you want the view of heaven you're going to have to go someplace that scares you and challenges your current view. If you want to look from the bottom up, you want to look from the monkey view, fine. If you want to look at life based upon what you may think is your evolutionary uh, primordial soup puddle that we emerged out of, cool. If you want to look at it from the divine something greater, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you're going to have to get on God's trail. All other trails are just riding the tram and riding the bus. Will you die and go to heaven if you accepted Jesus as Lord and your Savior? Yeah, probably. Probably God loves you absolutely that much. But that leads us to what I would say is the saddest verse in the Bible for Christians. Because like I said, not all of us are having the same experience. This is, without a doubt, I would say my scariest verse of my life. Um, And it doesn't come out of the book of Revelations and it's not talking about hell. Uh, And it is talking to a Christian. Paul says out of 1 Corinthians 3, he says this, 
For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. Uh, The fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. And this is a purging fire. This isn't a punishment fire. This isn't hell fire. This This is when all of a sudden your marriage finds itself in a hard place and you discover the quality of what you built on. This is when all of a sudden parenting becomes hard and you discover what you've built on in the heat of the day and the difficulty and the adversities. This could also be implying that when, when our lives are all summed up and we go before God, each man's work, each person's work will be tried by fire to see what we built, built on. Um, if any man's work which he is, has built on, it remains, he will receive a reward. And I thought about, about this next verse. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, even though you're saved. And people will say, Ask me, do you believe in once saved, always saved? And I'll be like, wow, what a question. That's a question of somebody who's riding the bus. How much do I have to do in order to get into Zion? Except Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior who died for you. There's no other work under heaven by which a man may be saved but the work, the finished work of Christ. Boom, it's like, but is that really what? Did you just spend $1,500 for an airplane flight rent $3,000 lens, have a top-of-the-line camera, stay at the lodge, in, I mean, it's expensive, stay at the lodge inside Zion just so that you could ride the tram? Are you asking God, um, can I lose my salvation? Uh, is this a sin? Can I, can I get high and be a Christian? You know, how much alcohol is too much? Maybe legitimate questions the first go around. But it just shows you how much we're willing to want to live with compromise and still stay in the park. I don't mean to be hard here, but some of you, probably most of you are going to heaven. I'm going to guess that you didn't give up a Sunday at 12 o'clock in order to come to church unless you were invited and you're trying it out and we're glad you did. Most of you probably are in the park. But I'm willing to bet a lot of you are suffering loss and your marriages are like crap. Um, You're saved. But, and I know I'm very blunt with all this. You know the reason why I can be blunt? Because I've been a stoned Christian and I remember what that felt like. I've been a divorced Christian and had a crappy marriage. My fault, my fault, because I wasn't willing to walk the trail. I wanted to, was I saved? I was like, yes, I was saved. Well, wait a minute, Christians can't divorce. Christians, that's not the trail we're supposed to walk. But I, I left that trail. 
Were you still saved? If you died, would you have gone to heaven? Yes, I would have gone to heaven. But we're talking about something much better than that. We're talking about, I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. I mean, that's what Jesus came to bring, was not just to get us into the park. So so, So my first marriage ended after five years. We were both stupid. We both decided not to forgive. And we decided to live in conflict. We left the trail. And it ended. In a week, I celebrate my 35th marriage anniversary with Susan. And, and you say, wow, you married the right woman. That's bull crap. Boy, I really have a vile mouth, don't I? I'm just, I am so sorry. Uh, but when you get out on the edge, you got to call some of this stuff out. I didn't marry the right woman and she didn't marry the, I didn't, you know, no, we decided to walk God's trail. So when it says, do not let the sun go down in your anger, we don't. If it says, look not on your own interest, but on the interests of the other, we do that. If it says, honor your husband, she does that. If it says, husbands die for your wife, give your life for her, I do. So I didn't end up here at Angel's Landing by accident. I followed a trail and have an amazing 35-year marriage, have an amazing experience with all my children, and I'm an amazing papa. Amazing. You say, wow, you think you're better than it. No. You have a nice one, too. My... She even said, I hope you have a nice one, too. That is so sweet. It's like, why... Am I a better homo sapien? Am I a, a, a better Neanderthal? You know, do I get my vision for life from my evolution or whatever? However you, my science. No, I'm walking a better trail. I'm at a better trailhead. I've been at the bad trailhead. And I've been a Christian at the wrong trailhead. So what a big challenge. I mean, this series is going to be good um, because sometimes you got to get on the edge and have the crap scared out of you. Because when you're like this, and all of a sudden somebody can talk you into opening your eyes, and you're like, oh my goodness, this is beautiful. This is incredible. Yeah, the trail got real small, narrow, is the way to eternal life. Broad is the path to destruction. And God wants to get you on that trail. And can I also say this, that it's time for you to make this decision because other people are following you. Your children are following you. and Your kids are following you. When I was pinned up against the wall and I couldn't go any further, my family passed me to go up to see the sunset together. My eldest grandson came back he's about 16 years old and he took my hand and he said come on papa i'll take you down the mountain and uh i'll go with you to the van and i thought oh my gosh that's incredible but i said no christopher this is my dysfunction i won't let my dysfunction lead you back to the van Some of us, this is about you leading your kids in the wrong direction. 
It's about you leading your spouse in the wrong direction or those around you. Our dysfunctions will not remain us, ours. Our fears, our our lack of discipline, our lack of follow-through, our our laziness, our compromise will lead those that you love back to the van with you. And, uh, And God wants to put an end to that now. So as you come up and receive communion, I want you, to, wherever your trail is led, I want you to experience what I've experienced. In Zion, there is a river that runs through, the, through it all. It's not up here. It's right down here. It's for those who fall. And for those who are afraid, there's always a river of mercy and forgiveness. And in the canyon of God, there are no only heights, beauty at heights, There is also beauty in the lows, the beauty of mercy. And so you may have been somebody like me who's failed in a marriage or is having struggles with your mind or difficulties and compromises. Maybe you screwed up your kids. Like, well, where's the trail lead now? It leads to mercy. And there, where God is love, we can start the journey all over again. Father, As we enter into this moment, we thank you because there is a river in Zion. There is mercy. There is hope. And God, today we come back to Jesus. Yes, we're in the park, but today we go beyond that. Today, God, we admit and we release fears, our anger, our bitterness, our disappointments. And Lord God, lead us back to the trail that God is love. Fill us so that we can walk that trail with others. So Father, we we come to the table of Christ because the table of Christ is the trailhead of all faith that brings heaven to earth, that opens our hearts and our eyes to see all that God has prepared for us. We come to this point, renew our faith, renew our hearts, fill us with your spirit, lead us, challenge us, new heights to a new view of life through Jesus Christ.